fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts, Christiana Ellis, Chuch Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. There we go. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Beyond the Wall. We are now in season seven. Woo. Mm-hmm. Woo. With, Ooh, uh, what a thought. <laughs> I know. I saw Nachu Schubert, and I am joined tonight by Christiana Ellis. Hello. And Nutty Nookchus. Hi, everyone. Unfortunately, uh, Viv can't be with us tonight. We're uh, traveling through the Riverlands, and she fell a little under the weather. But um, Jelson, I hope not. (laughs) No, 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 no. Oh God. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, But uh, so I am uh, in a hotel room, and if I drop, please roll along. (laughs) Because so far. Wi-Fi's been pretty good, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, tonight we're talking about episode two, Game of Thrones, that was titled Stormborn. Um, and uh, first thing to talk about was uh, any uh, news tidbits? Um, any, anything in the universe that you know about? Well, since last time we talked a little bit about the announcement of uh, Benny F. and Weiss's uh, new show and some of the controversy surrounding that, it's worth noting that whether or not anyone it remains interested in a show with that premise, period, um, they did actually come out and kind of acknowledge that they could have handled the reveal better in the sense of recognizing that this was likely to be a sensitive subject. And so, for example, the way they rolled it out could have highlighted more that they have, um, you know, uh, executive producers and writers of, of color who are also interested in this and maybe presenting better what they hope the show will be rather than having it be more of like a shock headline. Yeah. Um, so uh, am I frozen? I look like I'm frozen yeah, on my screen. Like but. Were. Okay, well, if you can still hear me, that's good. At least yep. I don't know why my camera is frozen. But uh, <laughs> let's see. I can try to. Let's try. There we go. Unfrozen. You've got an icon. Oh, there you are. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was good to see at least an acknowledgement that they could have handled it better. And so mm-hmm. whether or not the show is going to be something we want to watch is, uh, you know, that's going to be up to each individual person and obviously it'll be based on, you know, hearing more about it as it develops. But yeah, it was nice to have them sort of say, yeah, we could have, we should have known better that we shouldn't have just uh, put out a press release and acted like that was all that needed to be said for something of that sensitive nature. Yeah. Interesting. Um. I've apparently just been hearing lots of people upset about Ed Shireen on Game of Thrones. Still? I don't know why. I had, okay, so I was kind of out of the world last week because I was in a, entrenched in a very deep business conference that I had absolutely no time to really see any of the fan reactions. So I didn't hear about any of it until I got home. And yeah, people are just, I don't get it. He 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 was there. 
He yeah. played a small role. If you didn't know who he was, you would have missed it. And I really yeah. don't know who he is, except for the fact that people go, oh, Ed Shireen. And I'm like, yeah. It's yeah, it was the same for me that I didn't even really know who he was to begin with. Honestly, so look, it's like for people who are more familiar with him to begin with, okay. I can understand being momentarily distracted. But honestly, come on. Yeah. Mm. As I said on a post earlier today, uh, it was more of a overt thing um, a couple seasons back when they had Braun singing in reference to the fact that he was a pop star in the 80s. And that was kind of a, hey, look, look, Braun's singing. Why is it strange that Braun's singing? Oh, we're going to put his music at the end credits. You know, they didn't do that with Ed Shireen. It was just. Yeah. He played a bit well, they've, so they've like made a thing about having what it was Sigur Ross, I want to say, yeah. be the musicians at the Red Wedding. Like, I mean, they've done that before. They've had musician cameos. Yeah. And I, this, I, there is nothing to be angry about. People have made this up in their heads. Yeah, I don't get it. And uh, I said, I said, you know what? If it if it brought more viewers or got people talking about Game of Thrones, good for them. And um, I hope they do it with Drake next year. So. <laughs> Just to just to get the haters back, you know. Sure. <laughs> Let's have him have that guy have that character Ed's character be reprised. Just yeah. to say, right, guys, we're gonna bring him back just to show you how much we care about your dumb complaints. Look, we like gingers. We're gonna put them in as much as possible. Kiss by fire. <laughs> Although having more uh, more uh, you know uh, actors of of color get cameos was probably not a terrible idea either yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a bad call um but yeah um in the so. uh, in the <laughs> book world uh sir martin himself on his not a blog mentioned that the uh the germilian germilian <laughs> Fire and Blood, which is you know been controlled uh, compared to the Cimmerillion, will be released in two volumes. It's this history of uh, all the uh, kings of Restoros, Targaryen kings, um, and that it looks like it will be released in late 2018 or early 2019, mm. and that Winds of Winter will be pretty close, either just before or just after. Very but nice. but he was still writing. It's not you know, and editing yeah. yet apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, at, at a certain point, it's kind of like we'll believe it when we see it. I right. mean, it's glad to have an announcement after not having an announcement for so long, and one would hope that he would not do that unless he felt more confident in this one. But it's also mm -hmm. not the first time that we've heard a date that kind of just. Didn't happen. You know, sailed by. <laughs> um, one one good thing is though that uh, at least historically, uh, once he turns it in, the editing process for his books tends to be less than other books. There tends to be less to do because he does a lot of the editing and fact checking and stuff um, on his side. So they're you know uh, like all of his. Um, content checks like he sends it to elio and linda of westeros.org and so a lot of that stuff's already happening so as fans what we have to look forward to as as soon as he says it's in the publisher yeah it's gonna happen 
and and it's not going to be they don't send it back to him for rewrites and there's very little that they have to do mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll take your word for that i was i was agreeing like mm -hmm. i knew that also and said i was confirming what you said i should say i i believe you <laughs> <laughs> yes no that but sounds yeah. reasonable yes <laughs> Okay. Well, let's get into the episode. Mm -hmm. Stormborn. Um, you're a little farther from your mic now. Uh, yep. Sorry. All right. <laughs> now you're fighting with sorry. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Buzzmark getting H four on the road. Um, <laughs> so uh, in the opening. We get uh, we get to have Dragonstone back. And we got to see Pike, mm -hmm. and uh, something that I've had been mentioned that uh, I guess people had been observing that if you look at it closely, the north of the wall, it looks like the water's freezing. Oh, see, I mentioned that it was a little different mm -hmm. last week, yeah. but that's, uh, right. that's but what I had seen pointed out was not the water freezing. So I guess I hadn't noticed that about it but what i what i had seen pictures of that i noticed was that they had taken what had before just been like mountains and made like an open area with an obvious road in it yeah that's right true so uh, we had paused it and rewound a little bit and it did totally where that bay is it looked like it was frozen over mm. uh, i'll very ominous I'll have to go back and look. So um, I don't know why, but for some reason, HBO Now this week was very, very slow, and it didn't mm. make me happy, and it kept stuttering, and I swear it took my, me uh, twice as long to watch the episode. Oh, so it may influence some of my decision, my opinions here. Um, I'm going to admit, now, I am paying for HBO Now. Every, I want everyone to know, I am paying for HBO Now. I had to download the episode because I couldn't use their site that wow. I pay for. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just my area. I don't know if other people had that interest, uh, that 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 conflict. But uh, well, they've yeah. been getting uh, really good ratings, so maybe they were, you know, unprepared for server Overloaded. load or something. Yeah, could be. <laughs> The um, opening scene, uh, we've got um, ah, Dragonstone, where it is storming and uh, reminds everybody of the night Danny was born. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this great storm. Yeah. Um, the, there's a couple of, like, there's some interesting stuff going on in this uh, scene. And I think some of it was kind of below the surface. I had a... Uh, a Twitter conversation with uh, Pat, uh, Patman about uh, about this scene too, in pr relation to Varys. But I think before we even get into what they talked about, we have to acknowledge it's a little weird that they haven't had this conversation already. Oh, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, they've been yeah. traveling together for weeks at this point. Um. <laughs> She sent him off to negotiate on her behalf with other nations. <laughs> right. Time never felt so wonky as this episode. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some serious wonky time. I mean, it, it's increasingly a thing, I think, in this show where you just have to let that stuff go. It's yeah. not going to line up. It's yeah. just they're, they're not even making an effort to have it line up, really. It needs to make dramatic sense, not logical sense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. and, and on, that sen- in, on that basis, I think it works well. And so the idea that this conversation in this scene would be precipitated by her getting the sense rightly that they're pouring honey in her ears here, you know, like the, uh, the, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, this auspicious night all these years ago, Stormborn, Yeah. And you're uh, going to be great. And they're drinking secret toasts to your health and all of that st- sort of thing. And she's realizing like, wait a second, come on now, you guys. <laughs> I know I'm awesome, but you're laying it on a little thick here, especially given that it's just us in the room. <laughs> and for her to get this sense of why, why are you guys flattering me right now? What's up with that? And also just recognizing like, can, can she trust that? Um, one of the things that I think is worth talking about, but maybe we'll see develop over the course of the season is Daenerys, at least externally seems to have shed all of her, um, uncertainty, um, or her, um, any kind of vulnerability or self criticism. She's pretty much sure she's in the right. She's going to win. She's the best. That's just the way it is. That's the way she's acting. You know, it's a privilege for everyone else to serve her. I see that for sure. Then Ferris makes a... Oh, go ahead. No, I just... I I really like that Danny can sense the BS, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it shows what a different kind of leader she is. Because we've seen Robert believe it all. We've seen Cersei insist it. Um, we've seen so many different leaders have a false perception. And and then we've had like Ned just believe everything anybody ever tells him. Um, but the fact that Danny is skeptical and we get this a lot more in the books because she's always talking about, I'm just a young girl who's not, who has no knowledge of the world. And she always like underplays herself. Um but she she gets it. She's like, yeah, no, you're you're you want something from me. You're not going to talk this nice to me unless you want something from me. And I I love that about her. Mm. And I love that we got to see all of that. And the whole discourse between her and Varys is fantastic because Varys is like, I'm not going to lie to you. You could kill me. This is where I am. Robert would have killed him for it. <laughs> yeah. He lays out a, a pretty great case. So um, the question, do you believe him? Is he, is he well, forthright? See, this is the exact conversation that I had on Twitter with Pat, man. I think there are two things happening at once when Barris is giving that answer. One, he is sincere in that he definitely currently believes that she's the best and he's going to do what he can to help her win. I believe that is sincere. Two, he is telling her what she wants to hear, knowing that 
he has to be more sophisticated than he would have been with Robert. But like, that's his number one skill is giving the right answer as defined by what does this person want from me? And so telling Danny, I'm doing this for the people and I'm serving you because I think you're best for the people. That's the answer she was looking for. I think if he had told her, I'm 100% loyal to you, she just wouldn't have believed him. Right, yeah. Probably shouldn't have. <laughs> because as she lays out all the reasons why that wouldn't make any sense. But in challenging him, he interpreted, she is looking for an answer from me. I have to give her that answer so we can move on from this conversation. Mm. So I but, think he's yeah sincere, but also telling her what so he wants to hear. You don't think he's on the side of the people wholly? Well, I think that that it plays into, uh, it, it's not that it's a lie as much as a performance. You know, it's it's not that it's not true. It's that he is saying what he needs to say. Sure. In this case, that has elements of truth. But the thing is, like this whole bit that they, where they finish it, I think reveals that like as much as she seems to, you know, at least on the face of it, has all this power. It goes back to that um, that analogy from what was this season two or season one? The idea of like who has the power, right? You know, yeah. is it the cell sword who has the, you know like that sort of thing? Because she's the one that has to finish it with a threat, right? She is just said, "I think you're maybe not loyal. I might have to kill you." And he's like, "Yeah, you can do that. You can kill me if you want, but I'm going to keep serving you as long as I can." And she's like. Okay, well, if you ever decide you're going to betray me, like, tell me first so I don't, you know, I can maybe change instead of um, doing what you say. But if you betray me, I'll kill you. That's actually the weak position mm -hmm. after, at the end of that argument. She is asking him for something and threatening at the end of it. Right. Now, I, I'm not against Danny here. I'm just saying that she is up against Varys, who his number one skill is serving a wide variety of people and getting them to trust him, even though he has previously served someone else. Right. <laughs> that he has done that over and over and over. He did it with Eris going to Robert. He did it with Robert going to Cersei. He's doing it now going to Danny. And it wasn't even going to be Danny at first. Right. So I mean, he's this is kind of what he does. And that doesn't make him bad. It doesn't make him a liar. But it does make him good at his job, which is whatever he feels like it should be, as opposed to what anyone else thinks it should be. Yeah. I think that um, he's been consistent in what he says, but you're right. The way that he says it convinces people that he's on their side. He always mm -hmm. says, I'm... I'm on the realm side. And so he's using the hubris of each of these people who, who believes that they are the best thing for the realm. And as long as they believe that, then sure, I'll believe Varys. And, and, and that's really what's, what happens. That's why that performance, as you call it, 
mm -hmm. uh, works so well. Yeah. And uh, it has an interesting sort of um, payoff from both sides of the coin later in the subsequent scene with um, Melisandre, which I don't know if we want to go to yet, but, uh, um, but yeah, I, I guess, so. yeah, but just so what I, t what I'm talking about there is payoff on one side proves he's got valuable information in the sense that he knows who Melisandre is and can report that. Yep. But also the flip side of that being Danny comes back. Well, we've just finished deciding that we're pardoning people who served other Kings, the wrong King. Um, and so that's a little bit of a, a dig back. He's like, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm proving I have value. And she goes, yeah, stop talking. I'm doing this now. <laughs> Shut up. The women folk are talking. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, I loved, the uh face work on uh melisandra as um she's introducing herself all confident and calm and everything and then um all of a sudden varus is just like oh yeah i know you <laughs> damaged, right? how'd that go and you just see her face where she's just going oh no i was kind of hoping i could just slide in here as an unknown but oh well um because i don't think anyone I, cause I was thinking that actually, as soon as she showed up, I was just thinking, do any of them know who she is? Mm. And I guess it's only Varys who had heard of her through spies. Yeah. Cause I don't think any of the rest of them have ever met her. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. I don't think so. Um, I, I just had a thought, uh, what if part of Melisandre's misreading of the flames had a lot to do with thinking that the prince that was promised coming from came from Dragonstone. And so mm. she thought Stannis, not realizing mm -hmm. Danny. Yeah. Wow, yeah. It 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 kind of gives me a little hmm, maybe. I I don't know if it is, but it it, it just a little thought. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, there. I think that there might be something to that. Um, my my only sort of, I have like a knee jerk uh, reaction at this point to just prophecies in general. Um, unrelated to Game of Thrones specifically, I just listened to the audiobook of Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, which is oh. an excellent book. I recommend it to anybody. But um, one of the things that kind of comes up in there is that there's this book of prophecies that is extremely accurate and specific. And yet still you can usually only figure out when something has come true afterwards. It has very yeah. little predictive power because nothing, it doesn't make sense until something happens and you go, <laughs> Oh, that must've been what this meant. And, and that's how prophecies always were presented in the Greek myths because, mm -hmm. um, or, or the dramas was, because no matter how hard you try to avert a prophecy, you end up just fulfilling it. And it's, yeah. as you said, only until the end that you realize everything I did made this come true. Um, and prophecies are fun that way. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, yeah kind of, if you're if you're living in that situation, you're like, I kind of don't want to know because that's not going to help me. I'm just going to be doomed by it, yeah. which is why it's so funny for Cersei's prophecy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The thing the witch told her. Right. Yeah. 
no matter because what did she do? She tried so hard to avoid that prophecy, and she saw these uh, queens that were going to overtake her, and she was constantly looking at the wrong women, mm. and and she ended up doing it all herself. You know, she was the queen that destroyed everything and turned everything she loved into ash literally <laughs> um, right. yeah. it's it's i don't um, know i love prophecy because it it's such a foil for characters on that note and because it's not really specifically to do with this episode um i don't think this is what they're going to do but someone uh, on twitter i saw put together the suggestion that um her prophecy about the Valonqar, which I don't remember how has the shows presented that, right? Did they have they, have they talked about that at all? I'm for, totally conflating books and show at this point. Did they talk about that prophecy at all? I don't know if it's by name, yeah. The, uh, okay, I don't want to get into <laughs> well, never mind. So maybe if uh, if we can't really remember whether yes, the yes, the, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. Um, I had to look up Valonqar because I always just think of it as okay. the frog. Uh, yes, we saw little Cersei get the prophecy. Right. Okay. So the the idea that like a younger brother mm -hmm. would do do her in. Someone pointed out, you know who else is a younger brother? Euron. Yep. <laughs> Not her younger brother. Yep. But yeah. Anyway, I, I at the same time I can't help but feel like if that's how it played out, then in the afterlife I could imagine Cersei hunting down the prophet uh, prophetess Maggie and just saying that one's a stretch. I mean, come on, when you say younger brother, it's kind of implied. Like, I anyone could be someone's younger brother, but I I thought it was a fun idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is Cersei older or younger than Jamie? I believe they in the books at least they established that she was born first, but only barely because they're Jamie. twins. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um so Paulette has a, a comment that I was going to definitely bring up. Uh how much she liked that uh they introduced that the prophecy of the prince that was promised is actually gender neutral. And I love that that little bit from Miss Sunday, and she's like, "Actually, your translation's a bit off. Uh, that word doesn't have a gender." Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I, I kind of, I want a word that is gender neutral for prince or princess. Can we have? Air. A, yeah, air. Yeah. yeah, there's. Well, it's kind of like Tyrion says. It doesn't roll off the tongue. No. Um, I I think that this this reveal I saw a lot of people talking about it and that in a way that kind of seems like a lot of people felt this was a bigger deal than I did and I don't want to yeah, downplay yeah. that but I think it's just that in my head it had seemed like it was always possible that it wasn't necessarily going to be a man. I always thought that uh because I always thought it was, you know, more poetic like you know, mm -hmm. uh, so many times man is used for mankind kind mm -hmm. of thing. Uh, yeah. Gender neutral. I always thought it was along those lines. I just really dug the fact that this is a Valyrian word. Mm -hmm. It means prince or princess. But their word for that doesn't have a gender, which yeah. implies that mm -hmm. it is not based on gender uh, succession. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it opens up a whole I, a whole new world of uh, what high Valyrian society yeah. was like. Um, it's also it's also key. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut off that idea because nope, nope. I like that. But um, it's also just in terms of presentation, it's critical that um, it was Miss Ande that pointed that out because if it had come from Melisandre, it would be suspect. Obviously, agreed, one hundred percent. Yeah, nice. And I think it surprised Miss uh, Melisandre. There's too many M names right now. Yeah. Uh, Melisandre, um, I think it surprised her about that translation. I don't think her High Valyrian is as good as Missandei. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seemed like but it, yeah. It, everything has always seemed kind of loose with her anyway, though. <laughs> you know, it's like... It's also... I. It just occurs to me just now that the whole idea of her shadow assassin babies, like, like that hasn't come back since season two. Like there's not been like really any, even like, it's one thing to say, Oh, well, she hasn't been able to sleep with anyone who has real blood and make a new one. And why would she do it? But the point is like, that seemed like a substantial element of magic that she can do that has never come up again. It makes you wonder if it yeah. was a hoax. Something of that magnitude. How could it be? What do you mean, hoax? Yeah. Well, okay. So it's hard to say for the shows, um, but uh, if somehow, you know, she changes her appearance. So she's mm. able to fool people for what they see. So perhaps she had an assassin, um, maybe a faceless man or something within and her vagina. Eh, maybe not in her vagina, no, but like I, I, hanging around. But she could obfuscate him because she's if she's able to change the way she appears to everybody, you know, maybe, maybe she really was a charlatan and the first real magic she did was John. <laughs> Speculation, but you never know. Well, yeah. I just mean, I feel like in the show, we kind of saw it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it that grabbed onto her ankles and pulled itself out. Yeah. That's a hell of a magic trick if it wasn't, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, but yeah, so I, I think that it would be an interesting idea, except that because the thing is, everyone loves these complex conspiracy theories, and I, I do too. But sometimes I think you got to take what the show has shown us at face value. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I liked uh, Faris's face and... Uh, when he says, uh, you know, so this Jon Snow, blah, blah, blah. like, bitch, you haven't heard of Jon Snow? Hmm. Who's he, who's he doing that for? <laughs> I, well, you know, I could, I could, uh, imagine he, that just the stuff north of the wall has never really risen above the noise threshold for him. Hmm. Okay. Um, whereas, I, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine where it would have even come up other than him being aware of, you know, oh, knowing the name, but not necessarily having any sense of him as a person. Hmm. Whereas Tyrion, obviously, you know, met him personally and spent time with him. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I Varys seems like the kind of guy who would know the names of all of Ned Stark's offspring. Yeah. That reminds me, actually, because it, it, it ties into a key element of what I was saying earlier in terms of whether, you know, 
Varys's performance to Daenerys, because the key element where that came up that I, I had kind of um, forgotten to mention here is the idea of whether or not, because someone said Varys saying he didn't know what Viserys was like is kind of like Littlefinger saying he didn't know what Ramsay was like. Yeah. So someone was making that case and the question was therefore, you know, well, did Varys actually know? And I think in some ways this, this is without getting into too much book stuff, this, this is an element where a simplification that the show has made compared to the books. Uh, oh, we lost Chooch. Um, oh. A, uh, a simplification that the show has made compared to this part of the, the book story has made, has created an inconsistency in Varys' motivation here. Because the idea, as she says, uh, um, that, oh, you were going to support Viserys. Uh, welcome back, Chooch. Thank you. <laughs> um, in the show, he presumably was going to try to support Viserys and was trying to make that happen. Whereas in the books, there was another wrinkle to it that I won't get into that yeah. made that make more sense. Yeah. That we don't have that in the show. And so it forces the show version of Varys to have to defend that position. And so it's possible that he didn't know, but that was a big part of the element that um, I was saying. He is having to carefully decide how to say what he's saying to Danny because that is honestly the biggest, I think, possible wedge in his story for her is the idea that if, if he uh, was going to support Viserys and willing to have Danny traded away uh, as a bargaining chip in that process, then he's obviously willing to put a weak, cruel person on the throne if he mm. knew. Yeah. But if he didn't know, then the problem becomes you were willing to put someone you didn't know on the throne. Mm which kind of makes your whole argument about, oh, you're supporting me because you think I'm the best because that doesn't seem like what you were doing before. So why should I trust that that's what you're doing now? And so he's having to really finesse that point. And that was part of what I was talking about when I was saying it was a performance. And I didn't really mention that bit when we were talking about that earlier. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, anything else on there? conversations no it's really funny how much time we spent on the portion right. of the show i didn't write any notes about <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can probably move on yeah i need to flip this over um winterfell mm -hmm. so uh john gets the dm yeah uh come to come and bend the knee <laughs> yeah. This, oh, you know, so it's it really ties into this scene, but the I guess the the, the last bit of the previous scene with Danny was this idea that she's going to send for John and tell him his queen has summoned him and he's to come here and bend the knee. He's very imperious. And our last shot in that scene is Tyrion kind of going, 
okay. Um, and then we can note also that the letter that Tyrion actually sends doesn't quite say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he references the, their time together. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Um, but it's just the thing is I feel like it might have almost been nice to have Tyrion counsel her just a little bit and just say, just be aware that this particular guy has a very specific and personal reason to be suspicious of this exact type of offer. Yeah. 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 It is so just want you to be sensitive of that so that your intent is not misunderstood. Yeah, your dad did that and then burned his yeah. grandfather and uncle. Mm -hmm. And that's what started the rebellion. I mean, well, yeah. started, but there is yeah. a big part of it. Right. So in any case, um, I love the dilemma that this puts John in, um, which is what they are dealing with. There's a lot of really cool stuff that they're setting up in this episode. And one of them, for example, is this idea of John does not want to bend the knee to Dan Daenerys. And he is very probably, you know, almost certainly rightly suspicious. Not that we really think that Daenerys would burn him, but that he has no way to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but at does. the same time. There's a way to burn him. She's got dragons. No, has a way. It's oh. not that he, she couldn't. It's that oh. she wouldn't. We oh, yeah. know that she probably clearly. wouldn't. No, sorry. Gotcha, gotcha. We know that she probably almost certainly would not do that. Doesn't have any particular reason that she would, you know, she's, it's not the plan and she, that's not the way she operates. Um, usually she has burned people, but um, the, we know that that particular suspicion is probably overblown, but John has no way to know that. Yeah. Um, and so the idea that it would instantly be a no, except that they really do actually need all the help that they can get, and dragons would be a big freaking help for their specific problem. Yeah. That's yeah. a cool dilemma to put them in. They and finally then, connect the yeah. dots. Dragons. Yeah. Ice mm -hmm. people. Hey. Yeah. I like seeing Davos, too, even if it was only just a little tiny bit. Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, hey, Davos. Bye, Davos. So the really fun thing about Davos, though, is this is actually bringing him back. Yeah. And it's kind of going to be doing some of the things that he gets to do in the book that he hasn't been doing in the show, which is fun. Mm -hmm. um, is it tap? Tell me it's soft shoe tap dance. Yes, <laughs> he is a fantastic tap dancer. Um, wh what it is, is you put dragon glass as your taps. Oh, oh and it's fantastic. But yeah, that's next level shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually how the Night King's going to go down in the end is they challenge him to a tap off. Yes. <laughs> uh. Um, um, we always knew Davos uh, was going to be the, the the key to victory, right? Um, but yeah, actually, it is kind of cool. I mean, it, we don't really hear it till later, but that Davos is going to go with John yeah. down there, 
which is interesting in a number of respects. First of all, we just get to see more of Davos, which is always good. Um, having him bounce off a new set of characters, um, running into Melisandre there yeah. again, um, but also returning to Dragonstone, which he which he knows. So mm-hmm. there's all sorts of interesting dramatic potential there. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So head over to King's Landing. We get uh, Cersei trying to turn the Tyrell bannermen against the Tyrells. Yeah. Making a pretty good case for it, honestly. Until she mentions the Mad King. And they're like, uh, yeah, you kind of did what people were afraid he was going to do. I don't think they really said... Did they really say that, though? I Nobody mean, said it, but no, Jamie but certainly gave a look. A few people gave a look. Like, like she just fucking... <laughs> well, but at the same time, I I feel like... I, I, didn't, I didn't get the impression that the others were reacting that way. I mean, it's one thing for them to be wary, because she's specifically speaking here to the people who are not necessarily already with her. Right? I mean, so there's that element, but... I think that the where she hits home and where Jamie has some solid uh, follow-up points with uh, Tarly um, is this idea of tapping into the idea that, you know, she has done horrible, horrible stuff and has the potential to do more and more horrible stuff, burn you all alive in your fields. And she's got these Dothraki and these weird Unsullied soldiers and they're all weird and exotic and foreign and scary. Mm -hmm. Don't you want to fight for our way of life and not let those foreigners come in here? Build a wall, man. I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, April O'Neil in the chat said dance off, pants off. And then Paulette said Davis went down to Georgia. He was looking for a dragon of steel. Nice. <laughs> <sighs> Jon Snow, rosen up your bow and play your throne game well. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Back to uh, just too much yeah. fun. <laughs> um, so obviously, I you know, I think Cersei made a relatively good pitch just in in highlighting herself as the devil you know mm-hmm. working with what she's got for sure yeah, yeah. She makes a good pitch yeah and then uh, like I was saying when Jamie pulls Tarly aside afterwards first of all recognizing yeah the others are going to follow you and I could tell that you're not convinced yet so let me try to sell you further um, and again kind of r- Jamie does a good job there of recognizing the two elements. First, your hesitation is you don't want to go against Elena. But here's the problem. Elena has already lost sight of helping you. She wants revenge, and that's all she cares about. So you can't count on her. So that's why you shouldn't worry about going against her. But then also, again, highlighting this idea of you're going to take the side and with, uh, with all these weirdos from out, you know, and given what we know of, of Randall Tarley, um, you know, we could, we could see him uh, uh, buying that. Although I will say uh, it was also kind of nice to see him. Like he's a jerk for sure. We know that already based on how he's treated Sam, but 
it's weird that like like he he is definitely more on the side of lawful evil, <laughs> so to speak, in the sense that all of the stuff about, oh, like, you know, the red wedding and backstabbing and oath breaking and all that stuff, like, he takes that seriously as that, like, that's not okay. It's not okay to do that. And so it's like, he's saying, you're asking me to take the side of people who do that, which I don't approve of and would also therefore then worry that you do to me. But of course the, uh, you know, what trumps that uh, uh, poor choice of words? What beats the um, that uh, the fear that uh, they they don't follow the rules is oh well you don't want to you don't want foreigners coming in your land, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so. so and Jamie does a really great job of kind of upping the ante, so to speak, mm -hmm. in his conversation, like. You know, so I kind of, you know, hey, uh, I want you to be the general, man. I want you to lead everything. And he's not quite, you know, on it. I'm not an oath breaker. <laughs> nice job. And then, hey, what about Southern Warden? Yeah. He's like, ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it was I liked the little bit with um, with uh, Dickon too, and uh, just kind of reminding us that he exists because I'm, I bet that that will come into the story somehow. Meaning having him there and reintroduced by name and having Jamie speak to him, I think means that he's going to show up again. Yes. But, um, and the actor, Tom Hopper, who was on Black Sails, which was an amazing series of people didn't see that, um, which was on Stars, I think. But. Um, but uh, I also saw a uh, a meme which, despite being a little crude, uh, I thought was kind of funny. Um, and the context here spoils the punchline for a little bit. But uh, it first showed pictures of Varys, Grey Worm, and Theon, each with the caption, Dick off. And then the last one was Dick off. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh... That's got to be a rough name to grow up with because, like, they have dick in their language. So it's not like it's – no, it's weird. It's just, our, you know, anachronistic. No, they say dick. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, in the books there's a lot of dickens, so it's not a big deal. But uh, it's just mm -hmm. like, you know, calling uh, somebody named Richard Dick in, in our culture. Sure. It's weird, <laughs> but it's only weird now. And there right. are so many people that I know that, yeah, I got to call him Dick because that's what he's been called his whole life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it'll be really interesting to see if Jamie and Cersei are actually on the same page about the conversation and what he's promising. I, well, the thing is with Cersei at this point is that she is 100% short-term thinking. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it promise him whatever it takes so that he'll side with us. Promises and then we'll deal with it later. Currency, you know? I mean, yeah. you can promise everyone a million things. What, what did Tyrion do? He, he promised three different people three different things. And, you know, it was a, a way to fetter out information and figure mm -hmm. out who, who the sources, you know, who the leaks were. Um, but then, you know he left some people disappointed i'm sure you know and it's just mm -hmm. it's a promise it's just a promise nobody cares anymore <laughs> yeah oh and uh viv's one of viv's notes was um 
what about it? Oh, she just had to make sure someone points out how amazing the costumes are again this season. <laughs> the armor in these yeah. scenes in particular, mm-hmm, well, it's yeah. exactly the stuff I dreamt of when I was reading the books. <laughs> Although I have to say, I couldn't help but think that Danny's uh, dress this season looks a little bit like uh, Cersei's does. Mm. They both have kind of the shoulder pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Danny's got that cool little dragon pin. <laughs> like that. And I saw it pointed out somewhere on a tweet or something that uh, Sansa's wearing her hair in the style that Cersei did in the first season, which oh, okay. I didn't I pick didn't up on anything. That. Interesting. Apparently that may be a thing. So the next scene is when they're in the the dragon caves, right? Um, I think so, with Kyburn taking Cersei down. Because we kind of fin we left off before going to Jamie and uh Randall Tarley, we left mm. off with um what are you gonna do about the dragons? And oh, Kyburn yeah. saying we're we're working on something. Right. Fucking Kyburn. <laughs> Gotta destroy the most priceless dragon skull for yeah. a stupid demonstration. Like I, they, at the same history. time. I I loved that not because I would love it in like if it were real but as a piece of storytelling because on the one hand it demonstrates pretty pretty solidly that this is a real threat right this this thing is actually dangerous to the dragons it's not a question in our mind is that this thing is super huge this this skull it's very big it's bigger than we've seen any of danny's dragons being we haven't really gotten a good scale look at them this season but uh um last we saw them they weren't anywhere near that big half that size at best um but for this thing to just right in there demonstrates to us these things are actually a real threat yeah and what it also does is the idea that kyburn and cersei would be willing to destroy this thing just for a demonstration Yeah, is perfectly in character of just how they really don't care about anything other than what gets them the next thing that they need. Agreed. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm hearing Tyrion just screaming out, not knowing why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree though. It's it, the idea that they are willing to destroy this priceless unique artifact for such a you know ridiculous reason it it's it's a good in character beat to make us dislike them even more and right. so i like it as a piece of storytelling <laughs> ooh uh mike McCauley in chat says uh what a what's a bigger threat is if one of the dragons falls and turns white walker <laughs> well they got they got they got white uh giants so yeah why not there was a picture on the internet and i didn't it was really hard to tell if it was real spoilers out there i'm told so i don't know so yeah it was hard to tell if it was doctored if it was real hbo or if it was just a fan thing but yeah i did hear that they uh went around filming in various locations fake scenes Mm. Ah, cool. Did you guys talk about that? That the, yeah. the basically when they're in Ireland filming, uh, they get hounded so much. And I don't know if it's for this season or next season. 
because I think they're already filming for next season. They get hounded so much and people trying to figure out what's going on that they actually have been sending the cast around to film fake scenes hmm. because people are trying to figure out how is it going to end. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I believe it. Wild. So. Uh, so Tyrion... Uh, my next note, by the way, and I think this is the next scene. I could be off uh, when they're figuring out their plans. Uh, mm. I like I like his strategies. Uh, mm-hmm. This is what I love about Tyrion. Uh, he yeah. is smart, and we really see. You know, so I'm watching it. And I'm like, all right, it seems all right. And then I have the questions, and then Olena asks the questions, and then he answers. You know, and it's like that's right. Not only. Is he smart enough to figure out, okay, we're going to distract them and conquer, but I'm going to go and I'm going to destroy my own home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how in this I yeah. am. You know, yeah. some sacrifice. It's a big deal. <laughs> right. We all got skin Although we game. know that it's like, it's not really that much of a sacrifice for Tyrion. Like oh, he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't have any particular affection for Casterly Rock. Um, but uh at the same time, I agree that I, I I like his thinking and I like him in the scene in terms of um, being able to explain the strategy and, and, and all of that. But one of the things that I really love about this scene, too, is how we've got all of these different parties together united by they're all, they're all mutually wanting to see Cersei go down. But they have their own histories with each other. And I loved that stuff being brought back up, like Tyrion jabbing Ilaria with, oh, we know how you like to fight wars. And we don't, you know, Marcella was an innocent. And he's like, and she's just like, my biggest regret is that my husband is dead because he was fighting for you. Yeah. (laughs) And no Lannister is trustworthy. And then, you know, it's obvious that, you know, like, Elena is just kind of sitting there bored to say, when do we get to the part where Cersei gets killed? And, um, and Yara is just kind of also sort of feeling like I, I, I came here to fight. What are, where are we fighting? What's, are we going to fight? Come on, let's fight. I want to, that, no. that's what we came they here for. Let's do it. Um, Cause, uh, but uh, at the same time, I, so I, I just, I love that this alliance First of all, it's setting us up to be surprised, you know, shocked later in kind of a classic dramatic twist of making it look like, look how strong they are. They've got all of these allies coming together. They've got a good plan. How could they lose? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I did, uh, Mike McCauley had uh, said in the chat earlier about this scene, uh, how much he liked seeing all of these women sitting around a table planning things because yeah there's men in here but each leader from every area is a woman and that's fantastic in a world like westeros Mm -hmm. i mean for dorne no big deal but for everywhere else pretty big deal (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i I do like how the scene showed that it is a, a alliance of powerful allies yeah. but how fragile mm-hmm. it is like you mentioned the little yeah. barbs they were doing we don't poison little girls mm-hmm. <laughs> right bringing back to what Oberon had said you know we don't hurt little girls and, well, and it, it does raise the question too of just okay everybody wants to take down Cersei but we know that at least Danny's ostensible plan here is that she wants to rule the seven kingdoms yeah 
And we could understand, we could imagine Olena, if Danny is successful, being content with, okay, well, we were one of the seven kingdoms before, we'll be again. And if Danny can do it, then fine. But I can't really imagine, um, I feel like Yara would even be able to, willing to make that concession of, having, you know, as long as she's the ruler of the Iron Islands, that Iron Islands could still be under that. But I, I can't imagine at this point that Ilaria would be okay with just, I feel like she would want Dorne yeah. to be independent. I think, I think Ilaria would, but Dorne has always had um, the titles of princess and prince. So while they've been as part of the seven kingdoms, uh, their leaders are not just lords or ladies. They've always been prince or prince. And I think she'd be fine with going back to that. All those people are dead. She overthrew them. They had a revolution. I know, but that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I think she'd be okay as long as she was the princess. I don't think she would. I think that yeah. that was kind of her whole deal is wanting to overthrow anyone who had any power over them. Oh, see, I thought it was just, uh, she's mad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I assumed it was just uh, the pure revenge that she's a mirror of Cersei. You know? Well, but, but she no she, no long term thinking. She's just we got to kill her. I mean, they, she but she killed like Prince Duran, yeah, just for being insufficiently willing to fight a war. Yeah. Um, and I cannot imagine her then saying, "Oh, but I'm willing to go back to being under someone else's control." For you, mm. I feel like she would be saying, "Our army is going to help you take King's Landing." In reward, Dorne is in, is independent. I feel like that would be the only deal she would be willing to make. Sure, see that. But I don't know. It seems like we're not really. It's yeah. it, not only were we not wasting a lot of time dealing with that, but it's maybe moot given everything that happens. The yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <it's very> true. <laughs> So, uh, and then, good. I was just gonna say we've got sexiness coming up. Oh uh, well, first we have um, the aside with uh, Lady Tyrell and oh yeah, be a dragon, and mm -hmm. uh, the, this was a scene that Viv really liked the grandmotherly moment with Elena. Uh, it was always a damned wonderful moment, uh, first with Mar and Loras, and now with Danny. Well, mm. plus, anytime you can tell someone to be a dragon, it's a good moment. <laughs> but it's uh, it's interesting because she's kind of like, go ahead, burn mm. down the countryside. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's kind of where I was. I was more hesitant to applaud that because, on the one hand, on kind of on the face of it, it sounds sort of affirming. But I've kind of been feeling a little bit with Danny, like. I'm not sure she is being as thoughtful about some of this stuff as she ought to be. And it was nice to see her follow Tyrion's advice and even echo his suggestion of, I don't want to be queen of the ashes. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think there's an element of that that is like, it's because she wants to have something to rule, not because she cares about these people who yeah. would either be dead or not. Mm -hmm. Is that she doesn't want to be queen of the ashes but she'll do what she needs to do. Mm. And it's not about wanting to protect the little people. It's about wanting them to be her subjects afterwards. Um, 
that's kind of the impression I'm getting from Danny. That is what she is projecting right now. Now, I, we, I think we have seen her be more complex in the past, but that's not kind of how she's acting right now. And I sort of felt like, I don't know that being told to be a dragon is what she needs to hear right now. And I think that we're, we've kind of been told twice at this point that Elena is in it for revenge. That's like, that's what she cares about. Yeah. And she does not care what happens other than that. And so for her to say, be a dragon is like, well, yeah, I want you to do what I want you to do. And she has some valid <laughs> points in this idea, but she is also saying, I have lived this long because I ignore the clever men. I don't feel like that's good advice. No. Yeah. And I don't mm -hmm. think that's true either because she's always said that the men were stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like when she was talking to Marjorie, she's like, are you kidding? My husband's an idiot. He is an oaf, I believe the word was. <laughs> uh, and my son's an oaf as well. You know, that mm -hmm. I, she has not ever ignored clever men. They've been yeah. oafs. What about yeah. Littlefinger? She works with Littlefinger to poison Joffrey. Exactly. That's that. I mean, that was not ignoring clever men. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she's clearly very duplicitous and yeah. kind of like, um, you know, Varys saying yeah. what's needed to be mm -hmm. said in the moment. Yeah. So I still like Elena. I still like Danny, but I sort of feel like that conversation was them each kind of feeding the others more dangerous instincts mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. after we just got finished having Tyrion lay out what sounded like a pretty good plan yeah um you know so for elena to come in at the end of that and kind of undermine the whole thing by saying ignore clever men and kind of feeding her the same flattery that she was so suspicious of from Varys just in the beginning of the episode <laughs> Right. <laughs> you're not a lamb. No, you're a dragon. Be a dragon. Like, that's, come on. That is totally, eh, all right. So I like, I don't want to be dismissive of the scene. It's a good scene. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, I don't think it's good for Danny to hear that. Abs absolutely. Yep. Yep. So um, Caitlin in the chat says, do you think Tyrion is hesitant to attack King's Landing because he's still worried or cares about Jamie? Is this a tactical decision or does his emotions for his brother mm. play into this somewhat? Well, I think he's, they're still attacking King's Landing because, mm -hmm. I mean, well, yeah, according to the plan, uh, because the, the uh, Dorne and the Iron Islands are going to attack King's Landing. They're just separating mm -hmm. their attack. Well, He's hesitant to have the dragons go in there and burn everything. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that Tyrion does care about Jamie, but that that's not figuring into his decision making. I don't think here. Yeah. Yeah, um, so. Paulette says I, uh, he he could also be worried about uh, wildfire still being. Oh, that's a valid point. That's a valid point. And uh, then Caitlin says, you know, in the books, Tyrion. Left Jamie in bad spirits, but in the show, I think this relationship is very different. Yeah, this mm -hmm. the, the books has a very different Tyrion at this point than the show. Um, and I kind of am enjoying that because I don't think I'd like to watch that Tyrion on my screen. Yeah, well, um, yeah, we yeah. kind of fast forwarded through that dark arc that Tyrion yeah. went through in the books after leaving King's Landing, um, which was fine with me. I, I agree with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 
I I feel like Tyrion's primary motivation is not so much wanting to protect Jamie as much as he is kind of with Varys on this element of let's try to actually not just burn everything down. Let's, I mean, let's try to have something to salvage after all this. You know, so for example, if we conquer this, if we take this city, if we burn it all down, everybody dies, and then who's, you know, who's who farms our food? Um, and if we conquer the city with foreign troops, they, you know, the everyone else won't still won't like us. You know, so we will be forced to be tyrant. You know, and that's not what anyone wants right now. So let's try to see if there's a better way. And I think that's where he's coming from. Mm. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Or should we move to sexy times? (laughs) Uh, I think just last thought on, on Tyrion is that I feel like almost more than anyone else in the show at this point, I feel like Tyrion's primary motivations are, are kind of morally like good. Like he's, Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know, maybe John just in the sense that the White Walkers are obviously a real threat and he wants to stop them, but otherwise his his, his motivations are a mess. They're all over the place. Yeah. Right? Tyrion has some buried booby traps down in there still that could be triggered by various stimuli. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, obviously, I think if he... Uh, he does obviously want to take down Cersei... And that's pretty personal, and that could lead to some bad decision makings if pressed. But I think, in general, his approach here it seems to be really coming from a good place of saying, "My sister's got to go down," and I think that Dan- Daenerys can do a much better job. And so I want to see if we can have Daenerys take the throne with as little damage as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do think Ferris is on the good side that he is truly is for the people and the best of the realm. Yeah. Um, and oh, who else was I going to say? Eh. I like Somebody Davos. Else. Davos seems like he's always in there. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, he's always the best. You know, he's just like, he's definitely, you know, I think he has a tendency to choose to follow people who don't seem to actually serve what he thinks is, is, is the best. I mean, like he seems like he's a good guy. He cares about the little people, but then he doesn't always choose the people to follow that are going to do that, but whatever. <laughs> right. Um, he's trying. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so yeah, let's, okay. let's, let's move on. Um, I, other than, uh, like so for i'm moving on to sexy time yes um the uh other than kind of liking that this happened like i like that it occurs and that it's kind of treats it from like the whole issue could have been treated in a more exploitative way but uh um they kind of just deal with it um I, i i i like how it was handled uh, with the minor caveat of her outfit was ridiculous that all she needed to undo was one tiny little knot at her waist and the whole thing just comes off. 
That was weird. But anyway, she was going to say goodbye. She was prepared. Yeah, I guess, I suppose so. I suppose. Um, but uh, I so I like that it happened. I thought it was well handled, but I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, um, I liked it. I definitely liked how it was handled as well. Apparently, there is controversy around it, and unfortunately, I don't really know what that is. Um, in Viv's notes, she had, I had mixed feelings about the outcry for this scene. Um, and then she says, oh, so on one hand, one hand, why did it have to be a sexual relationship? She, pro she had probably been raped a million times and thought um, that his being a eunuch was one of the reasons she felt safe with this powerful fighter. But I think they did a good job as a truly consensual sex scene led by the female. <laughs> I, you know, for me, I I dug this whole thing. Um, my notes, by the way, are Grey Worm plus Masande equal awe and swoon. Um, and yay for the Lord's kiss. Um, what what I really dug about this scene is that Yes, we had the Lord's kiss and everything, but it wasn't really about sex. It was about intimacy. Right. Yeah. They were able to share something. And he assumed, we're just never going to do that. And that's fine. And for her to say to him, you know, and he didn't want to remove his pants because he didn't want her to see that. And she wanted to say, I want to see all of you. I want to be able to have that. That was the moment of intimacy there. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he could open himself completely to her and be comfortable doing that, that's what was so great about it. I mean, mm -hmm. okay, she she got some pleasure at the end too and completely directed by her, all consensual, wonderful. Um, but to me, that the scene was about intimacy. And I I don't know, I I don't want to be upset when this show actually does a sex scene right, you know? Right. <laughs> um, we have so few times. Uh, this one this one was really sweet. I was happy. It was very sweet, yeah. I, I felt actually a little um, intrusive in the scene mm. a little bit, <laughs> like because it was so intimate between the two of them. Uh, there was a moment where I'm like, I don't need to see that angle. I don't need Fine. to see all of this. Um, as beautiful as the two actors are, it it felt very real to me that I I did feel that I was intruding on them. Yeah, intimate and, uh, and innocent. Yeah, yeah, they're both innocent. They're you know, yeah, I loved it. I mean, it's been such a slow burn with those two too. Also, I mean, it's not like this is some surprise thing. This they've been building to this for three seasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I we'll, uh, I'm not aware of what controversy there. Yeah, I'm not know. either. So I'm gonna pretend that the the internet's well, and I think place. I I think we can also all kind of echo too that we're we're not you know um, uncritical show apologists in every case. I mean, there have been plenty yeah. of times where this show has <laughs> handled things poorly, but this didn't strike me as one of them. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Let's move over to Old Town. So we did skip one brief scene with Old Town, but they're kind of out of time, so mm. yeah, out of the time zone. So it doesn't really matter. So first we get a Jorah uh, with the Archmeister getting a checkup, and he gets a timetable that's not very good. Mm -hmm. And so I got a Archmeister question. Archmeister prescribes suicide. 
Yeah, I, I got a question for this. Why did they send anybody to Old Valyria? Why don't they just kill them? Why don't they give them the option of death? Um, my guess is that it's just, it's kind of a maesters don't do that thing. We need Maester Kevorkian here. Because, I mean, the idea that you are going to lose your mind and infect others, mm-hmm. uh, that's, well, that's really scary. I have less of a problem with that than I do with the idea that only because he's anoint- an anointed knight does he yeah. get that option. Yeah, there is that. I, you know, I didn't get that that was a suicide option. I was like, what, what's he going to do with the day? Oh, he's going to write letters? Like, I didn't get it. I, well, there's that, too. Um, but uh, that was kind of, yeah, that was my impression was that it was the suicide option. But I was thinking to myself, why do only knights get that? Yeah. It's one thing if the maesters want to say, we're not going to execute people. Yeah. But to not let them have that choice is feels Maybe like. Maybe grayscale so dangerous they don't want to be responsible for the cleanup. Could be. Yeah. Burning the bodies might spread the disease. So um, uh, Tibby actually has a question on that. Um, Any thoughts on the theory that the grayscale would turn out to be a biological weapon they can Mm. use against the White Walkers? I mean, Mm. it's an interesting idea, but do we have any kind of, I mean, other than just it being a possible connection do do we is there any kind of evidence to support that or is it just we're trying to kind of takes away your mind which is a pretty nasty side effect yeah but it doesn't happen like instantaneously like i feel like that would take a lot longer plus they get aggressive anyway so then you're fighting white walkers who have grayscale um i feel like it would have to have a different effect on them um, yeah. Paulette says, uh, you could say the same thing about leper colonies and the way people were sent off before antibiotics. I, I think the difference is, though, that they knew that lepers uh, did not lose their minds and were not attacking people. Yeah, um, there, was, there wasn't going to be a period of possibly decades where they're just mindless and violent. But it was a pretty horrible thing. You know? Yeah. And and again, it's like I don't even necess- I I don't object to them sending them to Old Valeria. I object to them only giving anointed knights yeah. the the other option. Um, yeah, I I think that no matter what, it should be the person's choice. Yeah, um, I am definitely in the whole right to death camp, but not you know execution sort of a thing. So yeah, yeah that was you know clearly just a plot device to. Mm-hmm. get Sam to learn his name. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, yeah. I mean, there's there's some interesting connection there, too. And like, I mean, it's possible that there could be some grayscale connection. I mean, the fact that we're having, we're setting up Sam to be able to do this really cool thing in curing it, and that it's possible it could have some some story relevance beyond helping Jorah. But at the same time, I can't help but feel like we don't need every single thing in this world to be connected to every other single thing. Yeah. It's and, not dirt uh, gently. Uh, Teal, Wolf, yeah. uh, Teal Wolf says, uh, Grayscale feels more like a natural fantasy 
disease, or maybe a bioweapon that's purely malignant in intention. Who knows? Old Valyria stuff. See, um, that sounds more right to me. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I I just feel like I feel like there's something about grayscale that like it wouldn't keep popping up, but I don't know yet. So well, I'm just happy to wait and see. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do note that uh the ooze that comes out just looks like hollandaise sauce, and that really turned my stomach. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, pretty it was nasty. It was very nasty. And then, of course, cutting from that to the pie. Oh, yeah. Oh, but I um, also love the whole, you know, he's like in so much pain. Shh, shh, I really need you to not scream. I, yeah. Again, sorry. <laughs> um, right. But the first thing... He finds out his name and Sam has the recognition and I'm like thinking in my head, oh, they're going to have the conversation. Nope, they don't. And then when he does tell him, I knew your father, he never says, and I don't know if Sam heard this. I know John did. Like, yeah, your father forgave you. Was that in the show though? Oh, I don't know. Because <laughs> the way Mormont died um, in the, it, it played out differently in the show. Yeah, I can't remember. Was, All right, you know, five yeah. seasons ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I have such Swiss cheese mind when it comes to this. At this, you know, because the earlier seasons are so mm -hmm. close to the book that it's yeah. harder to know what was done and what I wasn't. I feel like if that was going to happen, they would have had to remind us in the recap. Mm. Yeah. Um. But in any event, I mean, I, I, at the same, you know, it's like, I don't know that Jorah would be able to really hear that anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, even if, even if Sam had heard a forgiveness and told him, I don't think Jorah is kind of in a mental place where he would be prepared to actually absorb that and deal with it in an emotional mm -hmm. way. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's kind of caught up in his own stuff. Yeah. Right. So Fibs uh, really feels certain you know Jorah will end up helping Danny again somehow. Now thanks to Sam, mm -hmm. how is that going to shake out for John? Yeah. Um, unless unless they yeah. want to subvert the fantasy trope by having Sam actually get Grayscale instead. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> uh, I did like that when he's trying to make the case to Archmaester, he's like, "Oh, I read this one account that says that they might have a cure." And then the archmaster is like, yeah, the guy who said he had a cure died of the disease. So mm -hmm. um, I did feel like maybe. Uh, yeah, that did uh, seem like a, a Chekhov's cure. Well, and it's one of those things where as someone who has worked in actual sort of clean environments, you know, not doing like medical procedures like that or anything. I was just watching Sam operate and it's like, yeah, he's got gloves, but oh, he handing him the flask of rub and yeah. then taking then it back into his wallet. Right. Like, and there's and definitely a lot of spatter uh, yeah. possibility. Yeah. Wearing less protection than Plague Doctor's Day did. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. not that good. Here's something I want to actually raise up. There have been, I think, not one, but at, at least two, I can't remember for sure if there was a third, mentions of rum this season. There's rum in the flask. Yeah. And then there was rum last week with uh, Hound doesn't like I'm, rum. It's too sweet. Too sweet, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know why rum is all of a sudden showing up. Interesting. Oh, well, and 
wine or ale won't do. Apparently, that's mm-hmm. all they got. Well, there's a shortage of uh, Dornish wine lately, so mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. So it might be a coincidence. Where are they getting all the sugar? Mm. <laughs> anyway, though, that's not really critical to the scene, but um, <laughs> but at the same time, that it, it's one of those things where. I love the idea of Sam getting this victory in curing a case of grayscale and, you know, advancing the science in that regard and helping Jorah who can maybe go back to help Danny some more. That's the classic fantasy trope stuff though. That's exactly the kind of stuff that Martin likes to subvert and upend. Exactly. Uh, So Paulette says new from Bacardi game of Thrones rum. Uh, mm-hmm. Brought to you by the Rum Production Association. You know, we they they've come out with the Beer of Thrones. There could yeah. be a rum coming out, and maybe that's what this is. Very true. It's true. And the beers yeah. were good. <laughs> I, I, I've not been able to find them at the LCBO, so I said. <laughs> so, uh, any other grayscale thoughts? Mm, no. So. so we head to a tavern in the middle of nowhere. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I keep doing this, but one last thing that we just okay, just as we're out. switching. Um <laughs> she's even doing the thing. Uh, just, uh, just one one last thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one, one more one more thing. Um uh apparently uh Sam's not in trouble for stealing the books. So, so yeah. Throw that, that out. Far. Oh, I didn't realize that was one of the forbidden books. Well, no, I mean the books that he took out to find out about the dragon glass. Yeah. There's just no payoff to the fact that he snuck those out. There's just no resolution to that. At least not yet. Yeah. No. So in any case, yes. So now we have our clever scab to pie. Really great scene. And, great to see him again and in such a good place you know Mm -hmm. so Uh, when i saw him i screamed out pot pie not hot pie yeah pot pie pot pie pie. (laughs) um i i i have some slight mixed feelings about um aria's demeanor in this scene because on the one hand i like what it does in the scene. Oh, by the way, Chooch, you've had your camera off for a while. I don't know if that was deliberate. Um, it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to okay. conserve bandwidth because I was uh, losing most of the conversation. Okay, just in, just in case you weren't aware. Yep. Um, uh, the, I like that there's this whole thing where she's sort of very deliberately avoiding eye contact for most of their conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is that element of her specifically trying not to get back emotionally involved with him mm-hmm. um, until she hears about John and Winterfell. And then, then it all cracks and falls away. And I like that in this scene. And my only hesitation is that she's kind of, that's sort of new to this scene. You know what I mean? Like she didn't act like that in any of the other scenes we've seen her in this season. But this is the only person she would have an emotional connection to. I guess, but I just felt like it was a little bit of a there, there was a uh, there was a gap between the way we've seen her act and now mm-hmm. there's here, and it was not like we see her go into that or anything. It was more like 
Yeah. So I, I liked it in the scene, but I just felt like it was sort of like contextless in yeah. that regard. Um, Viv's notes have you know, another moment of humanity and a touch of nostalgia and then hope, question mark, question mark, which I think is what they were going for, that she um, um, hope had possibly you know seen John again. Mm -hmm. um, she started the conversation with dead eyes of someone like the Hound. And it's where she's like, I'm going through the list, but it's a pretty empty existence. She's um, also, she, uh, during that whole bit, she's very conscientiously not quite asking for food. She's taking it and then kind of smoothing it over. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like pointing to the pie. Who's that for? Grabs it and starts eating. Later, do you have ale? And before he can reach to hand it to her, she seizes the, the mug. So right. it's again, it's a little bit like her not wanting to accept the food from the Lannister soldiers last mm. week, right? It's this idea of she doesn't, she wants to take what she's having, not to have it given to her. Mm -hmm. mm. I was fe feeling that she was very Sandor Clegane like as she was in the in eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just wanted to see her tear apart a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Hot Pie mentions uh, Brienne. Well, you know, the big the big lady. She's the a knight. lady. She was wearing armor. <laughs> I assume she's a knight. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of great callbacks. Well, uh, I, I love all of the mental space uh, that goes on in between him asking the question and then her just saying, she found me. Yeah. Hmm. Maisie Williams is an amazing little actress and she's not so little anymore, but she's still amazing because there's so much that she did just with face acting. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, yeah, so uh, I think it was Paulette. No, it was Tibby in the chat has said that the actor that plays hot pie. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. He's actually a baker also. And he bakes little dire wolf cookies. I read about that. And Apparently he has the actual, uh, bread, mm -hmm. like a pound each of these thyroid loaves, and the place is called uh, You Know Nothing John Doe. Oh, that's hysterical. That's even better. <laughs> I, I saw someone complain, though, that it's like Game of Scones. It was right there. Ah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I kept thinking to myself as I was watching this actor, how much he looks like Dustin's older brother from Stranger Things. Am I the only one? Totally. Totally. Oh my gosh. It was so weird. But he I, I looked him up. He's English. Dustin's from New York. Um, Long Island, actually. And uh yeah, it was just like he looks so much like him. Is this what Dustin's gonna look like when he grows up? It was awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I lots of little callbacks. So good. Uh, friends don't pay. Try not to get yourself killed. <laughs> well, like, okay. you, I'm a survivor. <laughs> Teal Wolf says, uh, I'm so scared for Hot Pie due to them bringing him back into the narrative. He felt safe when he was ma making a graceful exit. I'm like, yeah, but then he said he was a survivor. Like Arya. It's like, you are not a survivor like Arya. And that just sounds so foreboding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I no. feel like that could just be a nice little comic grace note, though. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's I, the. I, I, he's done okay I don't so think far. we will ever see him again. That's. I hope. That I was hope goodbye. He's okay, and I wouldn't mind seeing him again because I always love seeing him. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I think he's going to be just fine. He's going to have a great little baker's life, and uh, yeah. turmoil will happen. But for him, he'll get more travelers. Sales will go up, and he'll be just fine. I I hope he's fine also. But you know, I I. I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's the potential for them to do something more with him in either either way. But I, I also feel like I would I, it, it could be okay if this is sort of just the, you know, we're we're heading in towards the end of the season. Let's have one little last little touch in with. Um, I really like that it it took Arya quite a bit to decide between vengeance or her only lingering family, and yeah. she doesn't know that Sansa's there either. Right. He didn't, yeah, Hot Pie didn't uh, say anything about that. And so, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. She also doesn't know that the Hound is still alive and might also be heading in that general direction. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm trying to think if there's anyone else up there that she would have any uh, feelings about. Um, well, Brianna and Sansa. Brianna and Potter. Yeah. Um, they were going somewhere, right? Still no clue where Gendry is. No. Um, I'm just thinking if she knew she didn't ever meet Littlefinger because she didn't uh she gave up on the eerie before when she heard that lady uh that Lisa was dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I well she she's met him at King's Landing. Well, but I yeah. Don't think she but... cares or has any any idea, like she she doesn't care about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's not right. on her list. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's presumably up to going off to Winterfell, which we'll go back up there. Mm -hmm. John uh, announces he's got Sam's message, got a pile of dragon glass. Oh, and Danny's there, and she sent a message. Let's everybody know. Um, so I don't know how... why you didn't talk to Sansa about it first after the last conversation. Yeah. Last so... Episode. So, okay, so this is how time is like seriously wonky because he's getting Sam's Raven after getting Danny's Raven. Sam's Raven should have come last week. Well, uh, yeah, Small I mean, the, further. The, they're not, yeah, the, 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 these timelines are not occurring uh, in so parallel. So that's yeah. when I decided, I said, I'm giving up. I'm giving up trying to figure out when things are happening. So I think that's the right. Yeah, that's that's. The show is obviously not interested in having that be consistent, so it's really not worth the mental energy. I don't think. Yeah. Um. And um. I agree with you, Chooch. I really think that uh, John and Sansa really need to have like powwow before they address the Northern Lords. Like, especially if he didn't like what she did last week. That's how you would They kind of do to some extent. Like, he springs the final decision on her again, um, which is softened a little bit by the fact that, you know, the, we get a nice moment. Um, but uh, they did have that whole discussion with um, Sansa and Davos and John yeah. where they're talking in private. So to some extent, they're still... They are doing that. But that was before he got Sam's Raven. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. that it's no, not I like agree. they never talk. I'm just no. saying. I, yeah. 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 I think I think a, like a, a 10 minute debrief before uh, debrief <laughs> before they meet the Northern Lord like this. this it takes just a little while to get strategy. those guys together. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, it just <laughs> it, you're the king. You can make them wait. 
<laughs> well, but see, here, this this ties into first of all, um, I think that uh, when last week we had Sansa telling John, "You're good at this," you know, uh, no, he's not. He's really, really not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that it ties into this too, is that I think lots of times he makes decisions for the right reasons, but he's not a good communicator. No. And I think it's it's a little bit like uh, he's got this this quality in uh, common with Ned in the sense that once he's made up his mind that something is the right thing to do, there's no talking him out of it. And he doesn't really even feel like he needs to explain himself. Um, and if he's challenged, then he'll make a half-hearted defense, but there's certainly no prep work being done there. And so it's kind of like here where, you know, he had just had a conversation with Sansa and Davos where they were agreeing, nope, this seems like a bad idea. This is too dangerous. Mm -hmm. Gets new information, and without a reconsult, he decides, oh, well, I have to do it now. I'm just going to announce that it's done, that it's going to happen, and yeah. then I will deal with people being mad, but I don't need to warn anybody or get them on my side ahead of time. Yeah, and it seems like he really is in the right in this point. You know, she will only talk to the king. Yeah. Why would she negotiate with anybody else? And Yeah. 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 So I, I certainly I, resolved well with his announcement. Yeah. Well, it, it's... It's like the decision last time, I think what we can sort of feel like, and I think that this, this is deliberate that the show is trying to make us feel this way, is that he is making the right decision, but that he is not good at keeping people on his side so that those decisions can be well supported by his allies. Um, he does, because he doesn't tell them in advance what he's going to do, and uh, it's he springs stuff on people. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they're happy about what he's decided, but still maybe he didn't need to spring it on them in front of everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, then we have, uh, do we go down to the crypts? You don't belong here. <laughs> Man, yeah. um, Littlefinger's playing hard, you know, comes in, giving himself props. Hey, you remember how great I am? And uh, yeah. John's having none of it. Boy, he, you know, Littlefinger, for being a smart guy most of the time, is so prone to huge miscalculations anytime it has to do with Cat or Sansa. Mm -hmm. yep. um, because, boy, did he make the wrong call in saying the words, I love Sansa. Like, yeah. whoa, no, that was the wrong thing to say, my man. No. And in fact, if Littlefinger does not meet his end by being strangled by a Stark, um, then what is this show even doing? <laughs> At this point, they've yeah. done it twice and he got away with it. Mm -hmm. But you that know what Stark I want to do? I want it to be Sansa. Mm -hmm. That would be so nice. Maybe. I don't know. I don't see her there yet, but it could be fun. <laughs> I just feel like that's not her style. I would also. I feel like it would just be physically implausible. Mm. I mean, no, I, I like her. She's she's. I, she's she is taller I, than him. She's, <laughs> she's got resolve, <laughs> but she's never given any impression of having any yeah. any physical training at all. Sure. Yeah. 
So he looks like, you know, he's clearly going to refocus on her. Um, gives her, you know, looking as uh, when the, they had announced, you know, she would be ruling in his stead. And then as they ride off, um, yeah, you know, the gears are turning. Yeah. Turning hard because he's backed in the corner. Yeah. Well, so I think that John recognizes Littlefinger for the fuckboy that he is. Mm. And uh, I loved all of that. But John's not there. It's very all well and good to threaten somebody and then leave. Um, mm-hmm. I do like what Paulette said. <laughs> Littlefinger had any idea where Arya had been all this time. He would leave Winterfell yesterday. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what he's going to do. Something tells me it's not good. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, written at this point, I'm pretty annoyed at the ridiculous timing. John leaving as Arya is probably going to arrive. Yeah. But then I immediately feel greedy because uh, we get the uh, the Nymeria scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the same, so uh, before I gush about liking many elements of this scene. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just observe the tiny little bit of cynicism and say, sure, it's convenient for the show's budget that they made a decision that does not require them to have Nymeria around. Well, that's totally <laughs> exactly why they did it. Mm-hmm. If, it mm-hmm. if it was easier on the budget and working with animals, Nymeria would be oh, at we, her side. Oh, what just happened there? Is that me? I'm not hearing you guys. Just a oh, second. That's oh, probably me. All you. There we go. Yeah, sorry, that was me. Yeah, um, we were hearing you. <laughs> yeah, I my thought... headphones got pulled loose. So I, I was saying that I, I 100% think that if it were that it was a budget decision, mm. that they would have totally uh, sent Numeria up with Aria if they could afford it. If working with animals was easier, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Um, we also, I yeah. still haven't I seen Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. Or the dragons. We saw like one shot of the dragons, right? Right. <laughs> um, but that's true. okay. That maybe they're saving their budget for big episodes, maybe. Oh, yeah. There's going to be um, some epic battles to come. Yeah. Um, um, I loved how I loved the scene itself, though, with. I, I feel like I keep adding these little caveats. Um, I, f- I had to be reminded of the the line that her that Arya's line is a callback to, mm-hmm. the like that's not you like yeah I had to be reminded like what 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 is she talking about uh, I don't that know. rang to me immediately I heard yeah her say yeah mm-hmm. so I yeah I uh, okay I'm the dumb one I have no idea what that's a reference way to. back in season one where Ned tells Arya someday you'll marry a lord and be the lady of a castle or whatever and she just says no that's not me uh, and so and now she's saying oh Nymeria you're going to come back with me to Winterfell and realizing oh no you've kind of got your own thing here that's not you mm-hmm. oh okay well that yeah. makes it nicer yeah and they I thought she was trying to convince herself that it wasn't really Nymeria 
Oh, all right. That's yeah. yeah. I did not get that. So. I had that same confusion when I first watched it. Um, Caitlin's pointing out that they in the in the after show they like behind you know behind the scenes thing they apparently explain that. Yes. Um, for this episode, but I I actually didn't see that. My recording didn't um catch it. They explicitly uh, said it. Yeah, but uh, that's exactly what the intention was. That was the exact callback. Yeah. Um, so, I thought this was, and and so so a lot of people are saying it's purely a fan service scene. Um, vivid so, written. I've been waiting for them to be reunited since the '90s. If it's fan service, it's long damn overdue. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Also, it's bullshit how mature Arya always has to be. <laughs> um, I thought the screen scene. I didn't. Well, okay. Yeah. There's definitely elements of fan service. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. And, but perfectly executed. Um, Nymeria looked awesome. She's so huge. And but so mm -hmm. for me, you had the dead eyes with Pot Pie, and then Ope John, and turned you know kind of turned her lights on a little bit. Like Viv said, maybe even gave her hope for once in a long time. And this confirmed to me like a hundred percent. She, you know. I think I was harping on it before that the you know she has not become nobody. She is Arya. She's definitely yeah. Arya. Nymeria recognizes that it's Arya, and then that connection to that her recognition. Oh, that's not you. Um, you know that wouldn't have been me. It's not right. You need to do what you're doing. You have a family now. You you're in the wild. Um, you mm -hmm. don't need to be domesticated and following a human around. So I just thought it was it was a lot of really good little character work and uh, just a beautiful moment. Yeah. Um, so we have, um, where is it? Uh, Mike McCauley in the chat saying kind of cool how they mirrored Nymeria's behavior to Arya's, mm -hmm. um, much like, you know, Arya went off and did her, her own thing and Nymeria went off and did her own thing and all of that stuff. Um, they're both completely independent. They both found their own way. And that is awesome. Uh, one of the things that was always interesting to me, um, and this is a lot more in the books, but we've seen it in the show a bit. Uh, there have been rumors about a big wolf pack going around, wolves killing uh, people and all this other stuff. And it's always funny because in the books, when they talk about people from different houses or different factions, they describe them as lions and wolves and all of this. So mm -hmm. it's always, are they, is it actually a pack of wolves right. or are they stark loyalists? <laughs> and so when we see this, it's like, well, there actually is a pack of wolves. They may hmm. also be Stark loyalists, but um, uh, so. Sheriff Bullock in the chat says it sure is convenient for Beyond the Walls budget not to have Viv around. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it costs a lot to have somebody so sparkly. Yeah, we were trying to keep that on the down low. Thanks for pointing that out. Well, it's worth it. She brings so much to every episode she she's does. on that she it's does. we we're yeah. saving her for the good ones. Yeah, um, he's not mostly CGI. So um, here's my uh, my fearful prediction, and I I have no foreknowledge here. This is just um, this is just my storyteller brain um, coming up with bad scenarios. Is that if she gets to Winterfell, John's gone, and her first introduction there is seeing what seems to her to be Littlefinger and Sansa plotting together. Mm -hmm. That could go poorly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
Colin wow, Sesbitt yeah. is such an awesome CGI character. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that she'll see John on the road, but yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of people on the road right now. Yeah. And it yeah. takes exactly as long for them to get where they're going as the plot requires. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on Hymeria uh, and mm. all that? No. We are coming down to the final scenes where we on we are I'm guessing on the ocean to Dorn. Well, they actually say it part of the conversation. Yeah, I stopped um, taking notes because I was angry. Oh, uh -huh. why are we so <laughs> angry? What's coming up? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, uh, so we open with the the sand snakes calling dibs. Um, mm -hmm. Nice little scene um, of them talking tough. Mm -hmm. Oh, Christine uh -oh. Wing. <laughs> Sorry, Colleen Wing. I mean. <laughs> and then we got Yara and Alaria DTF. Yep. That was some good stuff. is happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really liked that scene. I just thought that was uh, really fun chemistry that those two had. Mm -hmm. um, I love how how Ilaria was just like, blase, yada, yada. And you're always like, boy, girl, whatever. And she's like, oh, wait, hang on. So you're speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> right? This is just interesting. It was a beautiful little dance. <laughs> <laughs> and then crash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we got to see that badass ship in action, and it is fully as badass as it looks. Um, boarding party comes on, and uh, huge battle ensues. So uh, we lose. Uh, Euron takes down two sand snakes. A little disappointing, but mm. expected that he would is supposed to be such you know this you huge have to badass. cut down on the number of characters they're dealing with it's yeah i mean it's, yeah it's yeah. it's we've had to long ago give up on the idea that the the show sand snakes would be as cool as so the yeah had a just really long good, long never mind go ahead sorry Phoebe <laughs> had a really good point of view um that she posted in the event earlier um don't the sand snakes put poison on their weapons I was wondering that too, but they stuck them in so many people. I think it, they would lose it, the e efficacy pretty quick. Yeah. And I feel like if that's the way they were going to go, they would have set that up for us probably. Would have telegraphed it, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, plus they were surprised too. It's not like they prepared for this battle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were totally caught by surprise. Yeah, I, I can't imagine um, you poison on your your weapons if they're just like hanging by your side that that would be prone to <laughs> accidental poisonings right <laughs> unless they've spent yeah it's not years really in, in the osha standards unless they've spent years developing an immunity to iocane powder i mean <laughs> um i will oh. say before we got to the battle um the i there was one moment where uh Ilaria was kind of being pretty cavalier about having Theon get her more wine. Um, mm -hmm. And I did like that Yara kind of just said, you know, he's not your servant. And, you know, and he says, I don't mind, but it, I, I did like Yara sort of mm -hmm. 
defending yeah. him there, even if it all became kind of part of the little the, that little psychosexual power game that they were playing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I I thought that that was some uh, there was some good stuff happening there, uh, but of course. Uh, I, I feel like this is the episode where I loved everything, but keep coming up with all these little nitpicks for it. Um, as as traumatizing and upsetting as it was to you know have some of the stuff that happened here, um, it, at the same time, I mean, we had to know it wasn't going to just be a, a smooth ride for mm-hmm. Danny's plan, right? So there had to be something. Um, but what I will say is that I feel like the episode could have better communicated to us exactly how much of that fleet has now been destroyed. Yes. Like, did Euron just sail in in the cover of night, take out a few ships and capture the command ship like that? Or or is the whole fleet wrecked now? It looks to me like all the ships that were in that area are toast. Yeah, when Theon was floating That's my looking, it, I yeah. think that implied it was the whole fleet. Um, but I, And I had written the question on and I wasn't following, I guess, the early conversations in the plan. Like, were the Unsullied on that boat? Were they no, ferrying them? Castle, Casterly Rock. Yeah. They're going different directions, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so uh, Mike McCauley says that Pacey knows how to kick ass. <laughs> As we said, Euron reminds of us <laughs> uh, from Dawson's Creek. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing that I think was one of, like seeing the one sand snake get speared was hard. I'm glad we didn't see that with Colleen Wing. Um, but uh, seeing Yara hung off the bow of the ship that was really hard for me. That wait, a, wait, Yara? I don't, I don't think it was Yara. Yeah. I think it was this two sand snakes. Oh, yeah. I was each under of the them, it was Yara. Yeah, each of them on the bow by their own weapon. Mm-hmm. Oh, the whip okay. and the spear. Okay, yeah. that makes... Oh, well, then seeing Colleen Wing hung is not so great. But, um, no, I thought it was Yara, and that was really hurting me. Mm. Okay, so Yara may be alive. That's a good thing. Um, the implication I had from everything was... Because that was definitely not Yara hanging. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so my understanding is that Ilaria and her daughter, you know, the one of the sand snakes that came down to defend her... Those two were both taken alive, and then Yara was taken alive too, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which specifically puts into context what Theon did. Because on the one hand, we can certainly read that as you know cowardice, or he let his PTSD trauma uh, get the better of him. Which I think there's a strong case that that is what yeah. happened. But we can also really seriously say, what else could he have done? Yeah. If he had rushed Euron, he would have killed Yara and then killed Theon too. I mean, it's just that's what would have happened. So honestly, jumping overboard looks bad and we can see Yara being disappointed. Mm -hmm. But that means Theon's still alive. Yara seems to be still alive, at least for now. Hopefully Euron won't immediately do anything horrible to her. Um it's there's potential for rescue, maybe. Um, Mm -hmm. so we can understand why she would be disappointed, but at the same time, what else could he have done? Really Mm -hmm. die, die on his feet. Maybe that's kind Mm -hmm. of, I guess what the expectation was, but 
Yeah, and it was interesting how they, you know, they did cut over to him, his eyes, you know, scanning the carnage, and they're cutting out somebody's tongue. There, it's you know that that PTSD of them, you know, hacking on people. Um, but it's it, it is whether it was cowardice or not, and and Vibs wrote, uh, Vibs wrote, um, he know whether it's he knows your honor would kill him both or PTSD. It's you know it's really powerful. It was definitely the only the only out he had other than a suicide run. Um, and she'd wrote a, a stark contrast to what Jorah's enduring for Danny. <laughs> hmm. uh, it looks like only two of the sand snakes are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one well, there that, was only three that we see in the show. So yeah, the one that flirted with Braun is still alive. Is that um, the one though? I I thought it was the uh, short hair one uh, that flirted with Braun. Um, yeah, I thought that was the one that's yeah, still alive, so, because the no, one that was the one that's still alive. She has okay. The one that's still alive. Yep, is Ilaria's daughter, who has mm -hmm. the long wavy hair. Oh, okay. I thought. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that was the one. I thought it was the yeah. pixie cut girl that flirted with Bron. I don't know. I'm forgetting. I don't I care. I don't. Yarn. I want to move on because I I'm don't care helpful. about that particular bit of trivia. I really don't. <laughs> I'm not helpful because I thought it was Yara, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. To uh, to answer another one of the questions in the uh, chat, though, as far as different roads that would be traveled, um, John, I believe, was planning to sail to Dragonstone, not um, yes, he's not March. So he, he's yeah. probably going um, down to White Harbor. Um, and oh. then sailing from there instead of so it would not be going through the twins. So yeah, he said that he said yeah. that is the plan to the all the lords. Yeah, we're mm -hmm. gonna ride to White Harbor and then sail. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. Um. Uh, note here. Just occurred to me though. I'm I'm kind of looking at this map. Uh, this map of Westeros that I pulled up that shows the King's Road not going through the twins which seems dubious to me. Isn't sense. that the whole point? Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I don't know. I don't, I <laughs> don't want to relitigate that right now. We're already late. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> so that's the end of the episode. Hey. Okay. Um, someone in the chat named 1998 champion says it is the girl who came onto Braun. She grew her hair out. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I feel horrible. I I can't tell them apart at but all. But she is the daughter. Well, they're, they're, not, do they're not. Well, all, the show totally did not does not really give them much in the way of individual characteristics. Yeah, true. Um, so it's kind of not our fault. Yeah. Um, although to be fair, even in the book where I consider them to be more awesome, there's really only two of them that kind of have their own individual personalities, and the others are all just the group. Mm. Um, but anyway, <laughs> interesting. So, any other uh, general thoughts on it? Uh, we can do ratings. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say uh, nine out of ten uh, pies made with uh, pre-browned butter. <laughs> you know. It takes a little extra time, but mm -hmm. that's, that makes the difference. 
You nutty? I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 snarling Nymerias. Nice. I am giving it uh, 9 callbacks. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Viv gives it 10 out of 10 Game of Thrones costume designers on point. <laughs> nice. <Wow>. <laughs> that gives us a 9 out of 10 for this episode. All right. Um, what is next week's episode? The Queen's Justice. Ooh. Ominous. Bum, bum, it could be bottom. so many things. It could be Danny's point of view. Mm. Or it could be Sir Robert. Um, I can't help but think that we're fussing with uh, the time already so quickly that Euron's going to be back with prisoners for Cersei already. And so she's going to be dealing with um, dealing with uh, new prisoners. Cersei having uh, Ilaria and Yara and uh, uh, Taina. I don't care. Um, <laughs> as prisoners. Um, yeah, Tyen. Something T Y E N E. I can't pronounce things. My daughter's whining at me to go to bed because it's late. <laughs> Okie doke. Um, yeah, I think I was out of notes. All right. And yeah. uh, so we will be. Um, back in our usual time, usual places next week to discuss the next episode. Yay! so much, everybody, for tuning in and chatting with us. We really love that. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was a very active chat this week. Um, I wasn't able to join the chat last week, but uh, this is a great chat. So if you're listening at home and you are able to get yourself to a computer on Thursday nights, you should definitely come and join us and hang out in the chat because this is awesome. You guys are cool. Yay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.